Welcome to the Mormon Medium Podcast, where we'll talk about spirituality, the paranormal, religion, and my journey in becoming a Mormon medium. I'm Nanette Ride. Thanks for listening, and let's go have some fun. Don't be afraid. Close your eyes. There's a moon overhead, but the sun will rise. Blood on our lips, such a poisonous bite. The sound of our hearts bump, bump, bump in the night. Hello. And welcome to the Mormon Medium Podcast. I'm Brad. And I'm Nanette. And we are going to be talking about a lot of different topics on this show, including spirituality, religion. And we're going to talk about my journey becoming a Mormon medium with my husband, Brad, by my side. He's been instrumental in this journey. And so he's going to kind of give his insight to the whole thing. Thanks. Well, and I think even more than that, it's a matter of sometimes I'm still thinking this is a little hooey-wooey, right? And uh, you've really been helping me open up to that. It is really hooey-wooey. I'm still in shock myself half the time. (laughs) Right. So let's talk about exactly how you got to where you are. What created Nanette Ride, the Mormon medium? And is that really a thing? Can you be a Mormon and a medium? Well, my name is still in the church records, so I'm still a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so I'm still a Mormon. I haven't had my name taken off of the records, but I am not a practicing Mormon. My spiritual journey that you're going to find out really soon has taken me on a different path, and it has taught me lots of amazing things and has helped me embrace who I am and help me find purpose. So it's a great thing. It's a great journey, and it is hooey-wooey. I still don't know how all of it works. I just know that it does. So let me explain to you how I became a Mormon medium. I came from a very religious family, very orthodox Mormon family. We got up at 6 a.m. every morning, read our scriptures, had prayers before we would go to school. My mom had scriptures that were on little pieces of paper all over the house that we were supposed to, you know, memorize. And we were expected to be in church every single Sunday, and we were punished if we weren't in church every Sunday. Oh, like, okay, explain that. What do you mean you were punished? (laughs) Uh, We were made to stay in our room all day long and and not come out, and she would bring us food in our room, just, like, stick it in the door and shut the door. Isn't that what Mormons do on Sunday anyway? Well, we typically would have a big family, you know, Sunday dinner, you know, like the typical pot roast and the whole thing. So we didn't want to miss out on those. We always had good desserts and stuff. But, you know, as a kid growing up, it it was really strict, super strict. And we were we were expected to be ready for church and to be reverent and, you know, to, to do all the things. When we became eight years old, we were expected to be baptized. We would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost at that time. Then we also... You know, wait a minute. What what exactly does that make the gift of the Holy Ghost? Somebody gave you a nice big birthday present? What, what are you even talking about? Yeah, basically. So the Mormon Church believes in the Trinity, so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And when you get the gift of the Holy Ghost after you're baptized, it's supposed to be the still small voice, or they call it the comforter, but it's the still small voice that tells you if things are right or wrong. I've since, on my journey, learned different things, and we'll talk about those later, but at that point in time, at eight years old, that's what that is. It's kind of a rite of passage as an eight-year-old, 
because you know you're super mature eight to be able to make that decision. Well, of course. And so, so it's really more about, Hey, this is what's expected of you than anything else. Got it. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So you're eight, you get this, this amazing gift. You have a ghost with you now all the time. (laughs) I am just picturing like Casper, the friendly ghost cartoon, like with him bebopping along next to you. You, You know what? In my, in my child mind though, I always wondered how one ghost could help so many people. Like, that just didn't jive with me, not ever. So I always questioned, like, from the beginning. I also questioned when I was given the gift of the Holy Ghost. I felt like as a child, I already had spirits that I would talk to as a child. So I was, I I thought in my mind, this is a dumb gift because I already do this. So I, I think I have little red flags ever since I was a little kid. So, so even as you were a child, you had some of this... Is it clairvoyance, this mediumship ability? Is that what you're saying? As a child, I I would actually have tea parties with spirits, and I would talk to them outside, and my mom would come and ask me who I was talking to. I could feel different spirits when I was a little kid, but not see them with my eyes. I was a very lonely kid. I was in an abusive home. So I think when you, you come from a background like that as a child, you go to places where it's safe. And spirit's always a safe place. I mean, even as an adult, it's a safe place. Spirit is safe. But how how did this differ from like every other little girl at that age who was having tea parties with imaginary friends? My friends would talk back and and tell me, you know, everything was going to be okay and tell me to, to go move and do some different things if my mom was in a certain part of the house and I didn't want to be around her because she was you know, on medication or whatever. I think I just got a lot of guidance as a child, a lot of protection from the other side, but it wasn't, I didn't think of it as weird. I didn't think of it as abnormal. It just was a matter of fact for me as a little kid. Gotcha. So when did that change and how did it change? As I began to grow up, those, those little, those little gifts and those glimpses started to go away and they turned more into dreams. I would have dreams that would come true. I, I would get little premonitions in dreams and for example, would see my children before they were born, my grandchildren before they were born. And I also saw Corey that he would be shot and killed. Um, now, I, I think you're going to have to back up just a little bit. Let's talk about Corey. Let's talk about what happened there, because that was really the turning point for you, right? It was, it was the huge turning point. It cracked my soul wide open is what it did. So on January 30th of 2014, my husband, Corey, we'd actually been married for 19 years and he was nine months from retiring. He worked for the Utah County Sheriff's Department in Utah County and he loved his job. He was a sergeant out in Eagle Mountain. And what he he did is he was on his way heading home to pick up our son, who the previous night they had had a little bit of a quarrel and he felt bad about it. He wanted our son to know that he loved him. And he told me that when he had called me at noon, that that's what his plan was. But on his way home, he saw a car on the side of the road in Eagle Mountain with their hazards on. And so he decided to pull up behind them and see if they were okay. So he did do that. And he went up to the, the driver's side of the car. And it, there was a young girl, a 17 year old girl that had been crying and that was really upset. And he checked to see if she was okay. She said she was fine and that they had been quarreling. And so he got her information and asked for the, the passenger's information. And he was a Hispanic male, had some tattoos on his, his neck. And he, he kind of was a little bit offish. You could see in the video that was taken from his dash cam 
that he was getting frustrated that he wasn't getting proper information from the passenger. He had gone back to the police car a couple of times to get information because the passenger's information was false. And finally, on the third time that he was given information, they opened the back windows of the Toyota Tundra and they shot eight shots down the front of the police car. And Corey took two fatal shots and was shot and killed that day. I was actually working. I'm a respiratory therapist. I was working at Timpanogos Hospital in Orem. And I was in the newborn unit and I was doing some heart testing on some little ones. And my phone kept going off. And as my phone was going off, it... I typically wouldn't answer it, especially if I was with a patient, but it just kept going off and off and just crazy. I looked down and it was my daughter. I picked it up and she says, mom, why are there police officers at our house? I'm like, I don't know. Um, I'll call your dad and I'll find out. And so I, I called Corey and for the first time in 19 years, I didn't get a return reply or he'd always send a text or something if he couldn't answer. I decided to call dispatch and I called dispatch and they put me on hold. So I didn't get any information there. And while I was on hold with dispatch, my phone ring, the second line ring through. And it was a friend that worked the night shift. She let me know. She's like, Nan, where are you? And I told her, you saw me this morning. I'm at work. And she said, Corey has been shot and killed. And at that point in time, I went numb everywhere and I was shocked everywhere. And I screamed from one end of the hospital to the respiratory department and during that time, I could hear Corey say, whatever you do, don't be angry. Whatever you do, don't be angry, which, I mean, I don't know how I could hear that through <laughs> screaming so loud. But as soon as I got to the respiratory department, I couldn't breathe. And I was, I remember clawing at some of my coworkers and told them I couldn't breathe. And the last thing I remember is they said, call a code. And that is not a good thing. That's usually when when someone's heart and breathing have stopped and they have to resuscitate them. I'm, I'm not sure. Things went black for me after that. And I'm not sure how long I was gone, if it was seconds or minutes or whatever it was. But as I, as I came to, I had oxygen on and I, I sat up and I could hear Corey say, tell the sheriff the dash cam was on. The sheriff wasn't in the room yet. And then he came walking in the room and I, I said, matter of factly, Corey says the dash cam was on. So, so you, you're hearing this in Corey's voice. In Corey's voice. Like he was sitting right beside me in my ear. Yeah, in, in my left ear is where I heard it. The sheriff explained to me that there is no way that the dash cam would be on because Corey had a new computer and he had a new light bar in his police car and things hadn't been hooked up yet so that they they would never they wouldn't work unless he manually had turned it on. And there's no reason he would manually turn it on for a vehicle assist like he had done, you know, just for hazards on the side of the road like that. So I then heard Corey loud. He screamed at me in my ear and frightened me and said, tell the sheriff the dash cam was on. And I jumped off the gurney and I said, can't you hear him? He says the dash cam was on. And my friend, who is a respiratory therapist that was standing next to me, said, she's pretty insistent. Do you think that maybe you could check? And the sheriff, you know, rolled his eyes and took his phone and walked out of the room. And just a few minutes later, he came back in and he said, he said, you were right. The dash cam was on. Now we know what happened. And wow. Yeah. So it, I believe at that point in time that I came so close to the veil that my heavenly gifts just popped open. And that's when I started to hear, I started to see, I started to smell, I started to feel, I started to taste, like all of my senses just popped open and it was terrifying absolutely terrifying <laughs> yeah i can only imagine going wow there's a whole 
other realm that you're you're seeing and hearing and feeling what other experiences happened in that time period did you have other openings or other areas where your gifts started to unravel or to expose themselves Oh, absolutely. It was like a nonstop, really fast merry-go-round. My my gifts started to manifest in dreams. Like I would take a nap and I would see how someone would die and that the person would be standing next to me in the dream. They would tell me how they died, who was there, what happened, where their body was, everything. It was terrifying. And I would wake up and then that night their, they, their spirit would be standing around the end of my bed. Not just one time, it happened several times. And that was terrifying. When it came to Corey, I would I would lay on his side of the bed and it was I would have my back to the bathroom and I would often feel him touch my hip and I would turn over to see who's there and there was no one there. I, I would see things in the middle of the day, like I, I would go to back out of my garage and in my rearview mirror, I would see dark ones that would pass behind my car in the middle of the day. They literally look like a, a colored in shadow. And I mean, here I am, this little, this little Molly Mormon, this really, I mean, I had a temple recommend, I paid my tithing, I went to church every Sunday, I did everything, I checked all the boxes, this chick was going to the celestial kingdom, I did it all, (laughs) and I was terrified, I thought I did something wrong, I thought I was haunted, I mean, not only was my family shattered and my husband murdered, I was starting to feel like I was haunted and being completely just terrified about everything, not to mention completely exhausted. But yeah, like everything was happening. I I had Corey at one point in time, right after his funeral. I I had hugged everybody at the viewing and I had gotten really sick. I had lost my voice completely. Like I couldn't even say a peep. Nothing, nothing would come out, no matter how hard I tried. I'd have to write everything down. And I needed to go to the grocery store. I needed to get milk and, you know, just the basics. My daughter brought me in the keys to the car. We had one set of keys and I I couldn't find the keys anywhere. Not anywhere. We ripped the house apart. We ripped the couch apart. We ripped everything apart. Couldn't find it anywhere. So she's like, maybe you're not supposed to go to the store today. Maybe dad doesn't want you to go because you're super sick. I was like, well, maybe, you know, kind of blew it off. Then I went in and did some laundry, folded it, went to go take it into the guest room. And in by the guest bed on the the side bureau was Corey's picture and my keys were sitting there and no one else was in the house but me and Kylie. So, I mean, even from the other side, he has manipulated things and kind of played really unfairly, I think. (laughs) It it sounds like he knew you needed somebody to watch out for you though. Like he's like, okay, this lady's a mess right now. And who wouldn't be right? I mean, that is, I, I can't even imagine what you went through and I've known you pretty close for a while, but I still can't even fathom that. It's just something that unless you've been through it, you truly can't understand. Thank you. Now, you know, I, w- I would never wish this journey on anyone. It it was, it was terrifying, but you know what? I think, I think when you shatter into a million pieces, I think the universe has a way of helping you glue yourself back together. Kind of like those Chinese bowls that, you know, get, get, put back together with the gold. I I got lots of gold lines. (laughs) You know, I'm a lot stronger than I've ever been. I am not the same girl that was married to Corey. I think I would terrify him if he were standing right now, right next to me. He'd be like, oh, dang. (laughs) Because he didn't like spiritual stuff either. Like he, he had a couple of instances where spirits came to him and made themselves very well known to him. And it freaked him out. 
Well, a lot of people are afraid of ghosts, right? 100%. We're, we're, we're taught that, oh my gosh, ghosts are scary. We have a million movies that tell us that, right? Absolutely. And and who who doesn't, I mean, I like to get scared. I always loved scary movies and haunted houses and things like that. But when they actually become real, they're not scary anymore. You know, in the beginning, they were scary. Because that's what our culture teaches us, you know, is to be scared. But once I started to learn, you know, how the other side works and having spirit teach me, and I've had some wonderful, awesome mentors that have come into my life too, that have helped bring that balance and help take the fear away. It's been a really sacred journey. Well, how did this journey like play out with your religion and then you're seeing these things i mean did you did you drop to your knees and pray did you open up your you know your scriptures your book of mormon or your bible or whatever and try and figure out what was happening what what did you do from the religious standpoint well from the religious standpoint i did pray a lot i asked lots of questions lots and lots of questions from you know how could I build this life with Corey for 19 years and have it ripped away from me only to stand in nothingness? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't believe that he's gone. He still loves me. I don't understand where he would go. Explain to me where he's gone. It never made sense to me that all of a sudden, poof, he's gone. And now I'm supposed to go on without him. Like, I had the case of the efforts. Like, that there was... <laughs> you <laughs> better I, explain what the efforts are. <laughs> this is not princess rated. This is not a G-rated show. The case of the efforts is a case of the fuckets. I just didn't care. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you for that explanation. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, so here you are, your grieving widow, you're seeing weird shit all over the place. You've got dark ones behind your car, you've got people who are dying standing next to your bed. You're thinking, holy shit, I'm losing it. What's going on? Did you call a priest? I mean, did you did you say like, oh my God, my house is haunted, come help me? <laughs> I actually got an appointment with my bishop, and I went into my bishop, and I told him what was going on. And he looked at me very solemnly and and said, Sister Ride, it seems to me that you have some heavenly gifts and I'm sorry, I can't help you. So it left me empty. Like, dude, really? (laughs) You're supposed to know. I surely am not the only Mormon person that has interactions with spirits, right? Well, obviously, if he says, hey, Sister Ride, you have some gifts, but I can't help you with those things. They would, you know makes sense that he's heard about things like that before. Exactly. I think there's that stigma, though, too, that when when you talk about spirits, the people are afraid of demons. And especially when I say I saw dark ones in the middle of the day, dude, I'm sure that they wanted to run away, thought that, oh, yeah, she's doing some way wicked stuff. I, I don't understand the fear for not helping someone that's asking for understanding, you know? Well, what do you mean by somebody who's asking you mean like a parishioner like you going to the bishop yes okay like they should know stuff like that you you know the apostles should know the state president should know if they're going to be dealing with people they should be able to have a couple of answers i mean they're supposed to be using their gift of discernment you know that is a gift that is your intuition they're supposed to be able to use that for things and it doesn't feel like they tried you know Gotcha. It was just kind of a, hey, you'll learn all about this on the other side. Don't think too much about it here. Basically. And, and you know, isn't that the answer to almost everything? Every question? I mean, I had lots of questions. This is a rabbit hole that we may not want to go down faith, right now. Faith. faith. That's Baby. <laughs> That's the answer, though, right? Is, is you've got to have faith. So 
look, you went through a lot of stuff there at the beginning. What helped you progress to where you are? Because you seem like you're doing really good for somebody who lost their husband so tragically. You know what helped me so much is I had a friend that took me to a Peruvian shaman that those were in the early days. And he taught me about light and dark, about duality, about energy, and that we are all energy. We're 99% energy and 1% mass. So us being energy, we're, we're able to, to manipulate energy. We're able to move energy. I understood that Corey's still energy. So energy changes form. It doesn't disappear. So I, I learned through a couple of my mentors, through energy work and through a psychic medium that I sought out, that I can actually calm my mind and go to my quiet places where I don't have any brain chatter. I don't have any doubts. I just listen and I can feel him. I can feel spirits. I can talk to them and, and I can converse with them, but it's taken a lot of practice, a lot of learning how to meditate and calm that space. And it took years to be able to do it, to do it quickly. Anyways, (laughs) it would take me probably 45 minutes to get to the point where I wasn't, you know, thinking about 10 different things at once. I mean, I am a woman. That's what we do, right? Yes. 100%. But, but that's that's because I, you're great multitaskers, right? It's yes. not, not because you overthink. 100%, right? But, but, you know, once I learned that I could have a relationship with those that I love on the other side, it's just a different relationship. I can still feel him. I can still smell him. I can still do all the other things. It's just not a physical thing on this plane. I realize that we all have that. We can all do that. And we shouldn't have to have them just disappear out of our life and not be a part of our life anymore. And that brings such comfort and such peace to me. So if there was one thing out of this short chat that we've had that you want people to remember, what would it be? That our loved ones still love us. Love goes on forever. And we just need to quiet ourselves in order for us to tune that dial to the right frequency to talk to them. And I am not anybody special. I'm just somebody that spent the time to understand, and you can too. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) And thank you to everyone who listened. We hope that you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your feedback. And send any questions or things you'd like us to talk about to my email. I don't know what it is. Brad, I'll have to tell you. You don't know your own email address. Zenergysage at gmail.com. Wow. Is that it? Probably ought to spell that. Z-E-N-E-R-G-Y, sage, S-A-G-E, at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you.